You're listening to the Elephant in the Room Property Podcast, where the big things that never get talked about actually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, and co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia. And I'm Chris Bates, financial planner, mortgage broker, and wealth coach. And together, we're going to uncover who's really making the decisions when you buy a property. Veronica will introduce our guest in a moment, and I can tell you that you'll want to listen to find out what he has to say about what auctioneers really think and how they make you bid. It's always hard. There's a fine line between doing the what you think is morally correct and what is actually getting the best result for the owner. Please stick around for this week's Elephant Rider Bootcamp, and we have a cracking Dumbo of the Week coming up. Before we get started, Everything we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances. Now let's get cracking. This week, we're picking the brains of Damien Cooley, who might well be Australia's most famous property auctioneer. Damien is probably best known for his performances on the block having made his 10th appearance in 2017. He's also performed auctions on other reality TV series, including The Renovators, Under the Hammer, Hot Auctions and Selling Houses Australia. But not on on location, 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 I noticed. When not on TV, he runs Cooley Auctions, which he established in 2003. He personally auctions dozens of properties every week, both in rooms and on site across Sydney on Saturdays. I've been at many of them. He's on the board of the REI New South Wales. He's won numerous awards for excellence and he also holds a position on Father Chris Riley's Youth Off the Streets Development Committee. And in 2017, his event, the Real Estate Sleepout, raised $278,000 for Youth Off the Streets. And today, he has the honour of being our first auctioneer guest on The Elephant in the Room. Welcome, Damien. Thank you, Veronica. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Damien. I'm going to kick it off pretty quick. Your video on your website, which was brilliant, by the way, you really talk about the good auctioneers all around understanding the psychology of the buyer. Mm. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's a really interesting concept. When you're thinking about the emotional roller coaster that a buyer goes through through, a, through an auction campaign, essentially, particularly if they see the property in the first week, they've got four weeks, sometimes five weeks to yeah. build themselves up to this crescendo, which is auction day. Mm-hmm. So for me as an auctioneer, I only get to experience um, their emotions on the day of the auction, but they've had this huge roller coaster ride for the last three or four weeks. Will I buy it? Won't I buy it? How much do I have to pay? What happens if this happens at the auction? I can see all these people at the open for inspection. I can see that the agent's giving out loads of contracts. That means there's plenty of interest. They really take them through themselves through this unbelievable emotional roller coaster in four or five weeks. So the day of the auction is very, very emotional. Some buyers use all sorts of tactics and take all sorts of tangents on auction days. Some really get quite cranky. Some are very cool, calm and collected and others are just very generally upset if they realise that moment where they're going to be missing out. So for me as an auctioneer, my role is to really play on those emotions, sometimes to get the best out of someone. But you really need to be careful because sometimes you can also cross cross the line. Uh, and if you push someone too hard, it, they can actually go the other way. And, and get really uh, off the property rather than my role is to keep that buyer on the property. I know from experience dealing with buyers throughout that lead up to an mm. auction that some of the self-talk and, and in the, it's all in their own heads too. Quite often they've imagined the entire scenario. They've, they've given personas to every other buyer. They've given personas to the vendor. It's a whole reality television show right in their own head really and oh, it's often no not question. that real. No <laughs> question. And look, one of the things that we're seeing right now, the Sydney market is – there is no doubt that it's not as good as it was and clearance rates are lower than what where they were in off their peak. What we're one thing interesting thing we're seeing at the moment, talking about that emotional roller coaster, is that buyers in some cases are getting to auction day. It's not going for as much as they thought it would have, or it may be playing out more in their favor than they thought it may have. And they're really almost going into a shell. Yeah. And so in some cases, like an agent may have been quoting Buyer feedback is around 1.5. They might have a reserve of 1,550,000. I had an auction the other day where I had a buyer give us an offer of 1.2 or 1.25. And it was like, it was so offensively low that it was just that. <laughs> and they just couldn't bring themselves to understand that 
they needed to pay, and even if it was a reasonable offer like 1.45 or 1.42 even, mm. um, they ended up talking themselves out of the property. Now, that same property sold like a week or 10 days later for I think it was 1580000 to a brand-new buyer who'd never seen it before. But mm-hmm. I have no doubt that that buyer who didn't purchase that property more than likely would have bought it on the day of the auction at a reasonable price. But because they put them through, themselves through that emotional stress and the feeling like, oh, I've, I've got the owner on the ropes here, I'm going to buy this, that they actually negotiated their way out of buying the property. A lot of that's about social proof though, isn't it? Oh, th- and that's exactly of. what was going through my brain. I was thinking, well, what's really changed is the sentiment now, I guess. You know, it, as humans, we're quite like sheep. And if everyone's out there, if if Veronica bids one point five million, it must be worth one point five million because someone else <laughs> believes it. And um, so then I'm more confident to put my bid at one point five one. I imagine, isn't that kind of what an auction is trying to do? Is get the herd or get the the sheep? Oh moving? no, no question. Um, it's all auctions are all about momentum. And when I can see that one buyer is starting to fall away, um, that's when I really concentrate on that better buyer. And I really try and get them to increase their bid increments. So, for for example, if I can see that a buyer literally has one or two bids left in them, um, and that buyer lands on one million five hundred thousand, um, then I would be going to my better buyer and saying, "Make it a good bid. Make it one million five fifty, because I, I want to be trying to get them to to go to one million five fifty. Because I know the person at one point five in my heart. I think I know. I don't yeah. really know, but I think that I can read that buyer and say, I reckon that's their last bid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to my best buyer and I'm now going to try and convince them to give me a much stronger bid because I reckon if they go 10, they're probably just going to buy it. So yeah. if I can get that buyer to go to 50, mm-hmm. I've potentially just made my own a 40 grand. Mm. I love to watch auctions. I love to bid at auctions too. And I watch a good auctioneer at play and I and I see that and I think, how did they recognise that? So mm. I'm I'm very interested in how you've identified there at the end what are the, what do buyers give yeah. away oh there's lots of things that buyers give away um the the telltale sign particularly if there is a couple bidding um at an auction young couple um it might be husband and wife could be boyfriend girlfriend could be their partners yep. and they'll they'll one of the partners in that relationship is usually more emotional and give away more emotional signs than the other yeah, and little things like knowing when someone's getting towards their limit, they might be bidding reasonably confidently, and they'll start slowing down. And I can see that they're slowing down, and then one of the one of the partners will look at the other partner and and give them that look of, okay, well we're at our limit now. What do you want to do? So you can start to see when people are starting to struggle in their um, voice, in their demeanor. No, it's their- more it's more in their facial expressions. Facial. Yeah, okay. more in their facial their their emotive expressions because I can't the lip read, but sometimes yep. you can read um <laughs> it's not that I'm a professional lip reader, but but words I mean look, I do more than 2000 auctions yeah, a year, so right. you, you get to see a few lips moving. Yeah. Um and you get to see a few hands being put up at auction. So you start to work out what when someone's getting to their limit, when you think someone's faking um, and when you think that there is a clear strategy in play. So if I if I know that a buyer's putting a strategy in play, I'll try and read what that strategy is. Yep. And sometimes I'll just let them go and, and leave them alone, concentrate on other buyers. And they, that buyer may have dropped out, but I am always make sure that I go back and check with every buyer before I'm about to knock the property down and sell a property. Yep. So the actual bidder that's being encouraged to to go higher, what do you reckon is going through their heads? Well, it's an interesting point. I think what's going through their head is that they're listening to what I'm saying, but at the same time that they're trying to make up their own mind on what they think is the right thing to do. Um, and what I tend to do as an auctioneer is that when when I can see someone is trying to make a decision in their head, I talk more. So I, I will put more pressure on that buyer to to make a bid um, and bid what I want them to bid, and I often get that bid because I'm a, what I'm saying is actually overriding their decision making process in their head because they're trying to they recognise that I'm saying something to them and they're trying to listen to what I'm saying because they think is this important should I be don't listening to what out. he's saying Yeah, I don't want to miss out. And then I'm saying make it make it fifty, make it fifty, make it five million fifty, and then tr- in their head they're saying go ten, but I'm saying 
make it 50 and they they get pressured into going, okay. You know, it's a, quite a traumatic, stressful. Absolutely. You know, and you're slowing down. Your brain's kind of in this, you know, it's a huge decision. Your brain mm. knows it. Yep. And I imagine that you find that the buyer and you are kind of like connecting on a bit of a tunnel vision and you're kind of talking to them directly. Absolutely talking yeah. to them directly. Um, it, it is interesting. Some will listen to you more than others. Yep. And I mean, if you actually went back and watched quite a few of my early auctions that I did on the block, I I used to have a lot more influence over the over the the buyers on on that show that <laughs> I think than I do now, and particularly more so over the buyers agents now who are bidding, who now really have gotten used to tools and tricks and things that I use in my auction to try and get the best out of them. Um, <laughs> it's and Veronica's probably the same. She's seen me do enough auctions now, but so I'm always trying to reinvent and trying to think of new things that that I can do to to get the best out of buy. I mean, ultimately, I'm employed by the owner to get the best result for them. Um, the buyer is is either buying for themselves or they've employed a buyer's agent um, or somebody to bid for them at the auction. That person is just they're doing the best they can for the buyer. So it's a it's a it's a bit of healthy competition between both the auctioneer and the owner um, and the buyer's agent and the buyer. So you mentioned there about reinventing yourself. You know, can you give us a bit of an insight of something new that you've been trying that you haven't, wouldn't have done two years ago? Um, look, I, I think for me it's I, I get a little bit more uh, empathetic sometimes with, yep. with buyers who I can see are starting to, to soften down. Um, it's always hard. There's a fine line between doing the what you think is morally correct and what, is actually getting the best result for the owner. I'll give you an example. I had an auction the other day and this this same buyer actually came and he missed out on the first one and he actually ended up missing out on the second one. They were about a month apart and we're at $2,005,000 and we're at $2,005,000. Now, this buyer was quite emotional and he was looking at his, um, I believe, wife at that time and they were making some decisions. Should I bid? Should we? Shouldn't? That was like at um, one million nine fifty. They started looking at each other. It got to two million and five, and he said two point one. So I said, okay, two point one million dollars. Now the underbidder, who was at two million and five, was like, whoa, big bid, ninety five grand. Right. And he's like, two million one hundred and ten. So I accepted the two million one ten. But as soon as I accepted the two million one ten, and I asked him for two million one fifteen, I could see that what he really meant to say was two million and ten. Yeah. Not two point one. Right. So. As the fine line there as an auctioneer, like my role is to sell it as much as I can. Now that buyer has already bid two million one fifteen mm. or two million one fifteen. I can see that this buyer is absolutely not going to place another bid. And I could see everyone starting to get a bit agitated to say, What just happened then? Yeah. Yeah. So my I knew straight away that I had to sell that property. Yep. So first, second, third, final call, hammer came down, we sold it. Now the wow. buyer was out. Now, the, the buyer who actually bought it was a really good sport about it. He said, look, I recognize that it is what it is. And I said, he bid 2.1. You heard him say 2.1, but he just made a mistake. He didn't 2.01. He meant 2 million and 10. Right. I so see the, that the, a lot at auction. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as it goes over a million, people just seem to lose track of the Lose track of the numbers. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. So do a lot of auctioneers. I know. <laughs> I've been at auctions where they have. We bought a property once for less money than we actually bid because the auctioneer had lost track of the money and the underbidder had actually bid more than what we ended up paying for it. Gee, I hope that wasn't and one of just, mine. No, it wasn't one of yours. <laughs> we just zipped it. And yeah. Bought, and, uh, well, this guy, he actually... So a month later, he came to another auction and he did the exact same thing. We were at two oh, million and fifty. We were at two million and fifty, and he came did- out and he said two point six. Right now, at that point, I, I said to him, <laughs> I said, "You mean two million and sixty? And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, two million and sixty. And he actually came up to me after the auction and thanked me. So did he? But did he realize the first time that he'd done it? I think he realized after the auction. Right. Yeah. He, oh. he did the, it again. The moment the moment the buyer went two million one fifteen. I think that's what it was. Two million one hundred, yeah, whatever it was. Yep. Um, two million one hundred and five. He realised that he'd made a mistake. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Once the hammer comes down, you know, it's done, dusted. Mm. You talked very early on around the couples is one of your first signs. You yep. can see that that connection one's more emotional than the other potentially. Yep, and that's one of your first indicators. Yep. If you were bidding at auction, yep, and you were there with your partner, and it was a home that you've been looking for four weeks, and 
Would you have your partner next to you or would you say in the car or <laughs> well, what, the, what would the you only, do? The only times that I've ever bid at auction yep. um, to buy for ourselves, I've always been too busy to be there. <laughs> so my wife has actually gone and done the bidding, um, but she's great. She's really good. So she's seen enough auctions to to work out what the right strategy is. And the, Look, we talk about strategy. You know, there's there's so many different theories of do I bid strongly? Do I sit back? Do I do this? Do I do that? I think the general rule of thumb is the more buyers that you can see you're competing against, the stronger really you should be bidding. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be afraid to actually start the bidding at a really strong bid in that instance. But when you can see that you're not competing against that many bidders, you probably got a little bit more up your sleeve to try and start maybe the bidding a bit lower. Um, try not to make the bidding increments too large um, and give a few more telltale signs that you might be at your limit to the auctioneer mm-hmm. because the auctioneer and the agent are having conversations in the background on what what I they will come up to me and say what do you think of the buyer and I'll let them know I think that they I think they've got a lot more left in them or I think that they've um, I think that they're really starting to to weaken I think you need to be going in and talking to your owner about um, I think it's actually a really good time to be announcing to everybody that we're selling um, or no, I think you should pass this in and I think you should go and negotiate with the buyer because I think they're going to pay more. So re- remembering that the agent and the auctioneer speak a lot um, and they should be speaking a lot. So the agent will be asking me my opinion on the buyer um, and then I will also be asking the agent's opinion on the seller. Um, the auctioneer's role is not just to go there and sell the property. It's to get as much money as they possibly can for their client. Um, and the auctioneer's role is also to read the owner. And because the agent has also become emotionally involved in the sale mm, because true. they've they've been speaking to the owner for the last four weeks, buying into the emotional reasons why they love the property and what they think the property is worth. Um, and sometimes the auctioneer as a third person can have a lot more impact on the owner talking to them yep. um, about what they actually will sell the property for. We, we we call that identifying the bottom line. Or reading the play, I guess. Reading the play. Yeah, you know, right. Identifying what the owner will absolutely bottom line that they will sell that property for. There's certain types of agents in particular that are more defensive in terms of their owner and almost to the detriment of their owner at times where that you can see them, they're really protective of the price, their price expectations. And and I think that clouds their judgment in terms of how they're advising their vendor as well, in terms of what they may need to be prepared to sell for on the day, if, if they want to sell, that is. Um, so when you're at actually at auction and you find that the agent hasn't done their job, mm. I mean, you know, you've got only minutes really to have an impact. What do you do? Okay, well, good question. So there's a few things. Firstly, it's identifying with the owner what they'll take and what they'll sell for the property. Uh, I mean, look, not every property has two or three or four prospective purchasers who are looking to buy it. Some have none, some have one, some have 15 or 20. So every situation is different. But if I turn up and I realise I've got one buyer, the agent doesn't really know what they're, what where the buyer is at, um, they're not really sure on the vendor. In that scenario, usually you've got a vendor that wants too much and you've got a buyer that's ill-prepared. So really all you can do is try and show the owner some sort of um, competition. Right. Um, and what I would vi- advise on that is one of two things, either having a low vendor bid to try and at least get the buyer to place a bid and then use our written reserve as a negotiation tool with that buyer. or if the owner is absolutely adamant about a price that they want and they're not going to sell for less, in some cases, the agent and I will talk and we'll say, well, we've only got one crack at this. Um, we may as well go for a much more confident vendor bid, a strong vendor bid, um, to try and get the buyer just to come in with one more bid after that, then do our best to negotiate. And if we can't, well, we can't. So there's different strategies for, for different plays. For us, as a general rule of thumb, the the less buyers are at the auction, the stronger our vendor bid will be. The more buyers we have, the lower our vendor bid will be. Because one thing that we actually don't want to happen when we've got lots of bidders is for the bidding to start strongly. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm actually looking for a low bid. That's to get people invested (laughs) in the process. Auctions are all about momentum. You know, like if I can if I can get everybody believing that they're going to buy the property. Um, then that's the best 
tool <laughs> for me to to make sure that the bidding continues and and at the speed that I want the bidding to continue. Whereas when I turn up to auction, I think I don't want that speed to build up. No. <laughs> I want to I mean, jump the in there and you... mess around with that one. <laughs> yeah, the more people you can knock out early on, the less people that have actually bidded of, you know, if you haven't bidded, then you're more likely not to bid, I guess. Yep. And it's once you've got your first one out, it's easy to say you know, the second one. It's mm. hard. I, I went and bid for a, a client of mine the other day and uh, he said to me, he goes, I want you to go and start the bidding at $2 million. And now the agent had been... These guys, they don't quote a price, but but the way that agents try and get around the whole quoting um, business about telling, giving prices that are too low is that they they all talk about buyer feedback, um, mm-hmm. which for what it's worth, in my opinion, is complete rubbish. Yep. Um, they, they This property, they had buyer feedback at $1.6 million. Now, the agent who I was bidding for is a local agent, sells property in that area. He said, Damo, it's worth $2 million Every day of the week, he said, if I had that listed, like it's $2 million, no problem. He said, so I want you to go to the auction and just start it at $2 million. I said, mate, it, it, you, you've got other buyers there who have been told one six. I said, let me just go and scope it out first. So I went there, had a look around. There was quite a few buyers. I was like, okay. I said, I'm not starting it at 2 mil. I said, <laughs> I'll start it at 1.8. Now, in fairness to the agent, um, the, the owner wanted to sell. So it, it wasn't, I don't think it was a matter of the agent had been misleading anybody. I think that the, they had a fed income owner that wanted the property sold and it is what it is. But so we started it at 1.8. Now, long story short is it ended up selling for $2,050,000. But even as a buyer and as, and as an auctioneer in this situation, I felt uncomfortable starting it so confidently because mm. I thought, well, if I started at two and no one else bids, that one thing that will, will be resting in my mind is, well, what if we could have bought it for one nine fifty, or what if we could have bought it for one nine thirty, and I think that's what holds a lot of people back from making that really strong bid. My advice is make a strong bid. Maybe don't make it too strong, but if you can see other someone else jumps in pretty quickly, then don't be afraid to go from one point eight to one point nine, from one point nine to one point nine five, from one point nine five straight to two million and ten. Mm. Don't land on a round number. Because buyers often will will set themselves a limit, and it might be two million. Mm. Now, well, why is it two million and not two million and ten? Why is it one million nine ninety and not two million? So, I I often try and find some sort of level ground to, to land on, not a round number, and make it two million and six, or two million and ten, or two million and fifteen, or an odd number. In terms of um, behavioural psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain things that we've we picked up by speaking to Simon that sometimes auctioneers will say things that affect people, things like anchoring where but I'll just just jump in. Simon Russell is a behavioral scientist yep. um, that we interviewed in episode one. Yes. He went to his first ever auction and just came back going, Oh my God, I cannot believe the amount of biases that are being appealed to by the auctioneer. And he was curious to know how much of that was conscious on behalf of the auctioneer versus unconscious and also whether buyers had any idea. We're gathering that most buyers have no idea and so only some auctioneers would have some idea as well, really. Oh, look, theory on that. You know, I'm complete. I, this is this is one of the things that I love about auctions is actually just reading people and like I, I could I could stand and have a conversation with anybody now. I really feel and I not not necessarily know what you're thinking, but I know whether you like me or not. I know whether we're getting on. I know whether um, the the conversation that we're having. If I'm negotiating on something myself, I know where I stand in that negotiation. I think I'm reasonably good at it just because I've done so many auctions. Now. Um, talk about um, the, the emotive state of a buyer. There's so many little things, what, things that I can just think of off the top of my head. Most buyers, um, you have to register for residential property in New South Wales, Queensland, um, ACT, not in Victoria. Well, that's amazing, um, that, isn't it? It is. Anyway. Mm. But uh, the, a lot of buyers, for example, will have their bidding cards in their pockets, but I can see that their hand is resting in their pocket. So I know that <laughs> their hand's on the card ready to go. Mm. Um, another Another buyer might have um, their their bidding card sticking out of a lady might have it sticking out of a handbag, and I can see that when she's getting her hand ready by things that I'm saying, getting a hand ready to grab the card. Now other people just genuinely forget that it was in their handbag, and they're like, "Oh my, where's my card?" Mm-hmm. Um, that's one example. Things that I 
auction, a tool that I, there's two tools that I use in an auction um, to create urgency. And auctions are about urgency. Mm-hmm. I call the property three times regularly during my auction because I use that as an urgency tool to try and get somebody to place a bid. This is why auctioneers don't like to call it on the market. Hate it yeah. and never call it on the market. And if a buyer genuinely asks me, is it on the market? I'll tell them yes or no. Mm. I will say, if, if someone asks me, is it on the market? I will always say yes or no. Now, the only time where I put a little disclaimer on that and say I won't say yes or no is that if we are actually really close to the reserve and I, th- and I believe that we really should be saying yes to that question, then I will say I'm just going to confirm for you. So that would send a signal to the agent. The agent then knows, go and speak to the owner um, because we've worked together a lot and I say, I want to be coming back out and we need to have a conversation with the agent and the auctioneer before we either say yes to that question um, or before we go and try and get more before we announce it's on the market. Um, to come back, another, another thing that I'd always read with buyer's agents and a tip for Veronica <laughs> is that with a because of their heart, buyer's agents, a professional buyer is obviously a lot harder than a, a non-professional buyer. They'll give away less emotional um, signs to me as an auctioneer. But if a buyer's agent has their client with them, I would always recommend don't have your client with you. But if a buyer's agent do, um, does or doesn't have their client with them and they get to a point where I'm asking them to bid and, and they're saying no, or if we're, if they hold the highest bid and we can't get them to get an increase or pay more. Now, if that buyer's agent hasn't spoken to their buyer or hasn't got their buyer on the telephone, then one telltale sign for me is that they're still acting under the instruction they've been given before the auction which usually, not always, but usually means that they've got more money to spend. So, for example, we might- Interesting. So if I spoke to my buyer, right, every bid I made, you wouldn't have no idea. No idea. Whereas if I don't, because I don't speak to my buyer at all during the auction, we have instructions and then- And yeah. I, I never talk to them. Yeah. We're either at the limit or before the limit or yep. over the limit. I still don't talk to them. Yeah. So <laughs> for me, for me, I would know that if Veronica hasn't spoken to her buyer, then I would know that if she holds the highest bid and she still hasn't spoken to her buyer, all that's telling me is that most likely she's got more. She's got more. Well, I'm going to have to make an announcement then every time I go to auction and say, by the way, I won't be talking to my buyer. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give that away. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because you can talk to your buyer, but what, like a, a strategy against that mm. would be talk to your buyer and come back and say, no, nah, we're out. You know, that's it. Because that's a strategy then that sends a message to the auctioneer saying, okay, well, they're at their limit. Now, if someone else bids and you bid again, well, who cares, mm-hmm. right? But you, you're, you're trying to send a message to say that you're out because the agent could well pass the property in and try and negotiate to mm-hmm. get more. That's very useful for all buyers agents to know that when it gets to the point of negotiating after auction and in a flatter market as we are at the moment, um, you know, that happens more often than it does in a hot market for sure. In terms of uh, different buyers, you know, thousands of auctions, many, many years, do you in your mind have, I guess, four or five different categories that you go, right, this is the one that's just going to go in really hard, really strong early. They've got the one that's just going to sit and watch all the buyers. You know, tell us a bit more about you know, is that true? Do you have well, many different types? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many different types of buyers. Um, there's the buyer who will come and stand on the side of the auction or stand on the side of the room and watch the crowd. Um, and I think that's really intelligent. I think one of the biggest mistakes buyers make is that they're not looking at the people that they're bidding yep. against mm. because oh, that's what I'm looking at. So I, I pick up so many signs from the buyers. One of the most biggest mistakes that buyers make is they're not looking at their, yep. who they're competing against. So you know if someone's on the ropes and someone's like at their limit. Now, if you're a buyer and you're still, you've still got a little bit of freight left to continue bidding, that's when you need to pounce. That's when you need to increase. The, if you're bidding yeah. in $1,000 bids, for example, don't be afraid to add five grand to it at that point because it'll really take the wind out of the buyer who's trying to grasp on and feel like, oh, if we go one more thousand, maybe we'll get it. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying mm. to convince them that mm. go one more thousand, might you might get it. it you know, <laughs> and when, when I don't know full well that it won't, but, but my role is to continue that, make them continue bidding. So I know that younger buyers tend to, to not bid as confidently. Um, I know that, um, 
more experienced buyer who's been around the traps, you know, has bid at auction quite a few times. Mum and dad might be buying for their kids, probably going to bid more confidently. Um, they're more the type of buyer that would ask me if it's on the market or not rather than the young ones. The young ones don't really ask anymore. Is that because they're worried about their checkbook? No, I don't think. I just think they don't re- they don't hear it as often anymore, so they don't probably don't really know what it means. Oh, look, I was talking to a guy yesterday, so he'd be around about 50, and he was telling me about he just bought a property at auction over in Manly Way, and he says, oh, I was asking that auctioneer, is it on the market? And he was all full of bluster. I said, so what are you hoping to achieve even by asking that, really? Yeah. At the end of the day, if you're not bidding, had you bid? He said no. And I said, well, if you're not bidding, it's not going to get on the market. So even as I'm like, so just bloody bid. If you want to yeah. buy the property, bid, then you can I think, ask. I think back in the day, I think back, you know, long time ago, I think back in the day, people used to ask that question because they were worried about who the hell they were bidding against, you know, uh, yes, and auctions. Point. And they were like, well, if it's not on the market, I'm Wait, not bidding. because I'm talking about dummy bidders here. Yeah, I can't work out whether I'm bidding against someone fed income or not. So, you know, with with the real estate industry now and bidders registration, you can see who you're competing against, you know. So I, I think- it's not necessary to ask that question anymore. But they tend to ask it a lot still in Victoria, but bidders don't register in Victoria. That's actually a really interesting point there because registration came in in New South Wales September 2003. I remember it well. Coincided with the uh, end of the, pe- the boom. It did. Yep. <laughs> September 03. And you started your business in 2003 too, didn't yep. you? Yep. I think that um, where, where auctions have really changed is that it's really become like the most transparent way to buy and sell. Um, and I guess this is one thing that would frustrate me as a buyer when I'm buying a property that is not an auction, literally knowing who you're competing against or, mm. or believing the agent. Now, you'd like to think that you get told the truth all the time, but when an agent rings you up and says, look, I've got another offer, but I can't tell you what it is, yep. uh, it's just the most frustrating thing. And and I, and I just think it's just really wrong. Like I think it's, it's, it's funny. If a buyer makes an offer, they go, I'll make you this offer on the proviso that you don't go back to anyone else and I just buy it. Well, you can't do that, right? Mm. But the buyer then says, well, I don't want you to go and shop my offer around. But then if the, what do they say? If the shoe's on the other foot, how do you not go to another buyer and say, listen, I've got an offer and and this is what it is. What do you do? You say, I've got an offer, but I can't tell you what it is, but we're selling. So if you don't make an offer, well, you're left in the dark. And that's yeah. what I love about auction, both for the buyer and for the seller. As I really feel like everybody has a fair chance, like a fair opportunity to bid and buy or don't bid and don't buy. And, and the owner has an opportunity to see who the people are who want to buy their property. And if no one wants to buy it, well, no one wants to buy it. They've got to reduce their price, full stop, or wait until someone does want to buy the property. Buying property is incredibly emotional, obviously. The whole process of it, like you were talking about, the lead up to an auction, you know, you've got that, that oh, that angst of, you know, someone going to steal my home from me and all that yep. sort of stuff. You're practically moved in and um, and you, and there's a lot of fear and there's a lot going on that's driving that elephant and um, <laughs> quite often the rider is not in control whatsoever. And I 100% agree with you. I think that auctions are a very transparent way of buying property. I also realise, though, that some people are disadvantaged at auction. You know, we talked about the fact that some people clam up, for instance, you know, and 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 other people bid more than they should, or or other people show too many signs, and they actually oh. they get enticed into into a bidding war that maybe they really shouldn't have gone into. So, so the actual mechanism or process of auction can can be very disadvantageous to buyers, but at the same time, the transparency is a definite advantage. So it's a difficult thing. And I think, you know, obviously push my own barrow here, but, but it does reinforce why you need good good advice and good guidance, because if you are purely relying on your own experience, it's not going to be enough. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that any buyer who's going to an auction that hasn't um, either A, got someone representing them to bid if they don't yeah. feel comfortable to do it themselves. Um, or, or B, is turning up to that auction not prepared, then they're only disadvantaging themselves. No question about it. And, and, and I see that all the time. Speaking about, you know, emotional states, you know, I've had people faint at auctions. I've had, um, <laughs> you know, that, and that's a really hard thing. I had one not that long ago where a buyer fainted a couple of times during an auction and it sort of gets to Stress the- Stress p- well, or heat. <laughs> don't know, to be frank, mm. but- um, it literally collapsed God. twice. 
And they were in. They had been bidding. They had been bidding. Yeah, so you've yeah. got to give them time to recover. Don't you get the smelling salts out? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like well, at, yeah. At what point do you actually say, "Are you fit to actually place a bid now?" Got you. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of um. You talk about momentum, and I've seen this a lot where auctioneers will get on LinkedIn at on an amazing Saturday, and they've got ten out of ten. Yep, and you know, you can see in the, in the way that they're presenting themselves and what they're writing is that they've had an amazing day and it's been sold, 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 sold. Yeah. I mean, do you find that, do you, do you believe that actually what's happened at the previous auction is, is changing how you're going to the next auction is going to give you a higher chance of success? Um, I think that the way that, you mean for an auctioneer or for, for a an buyer? auctioneer. Oh, look. There is no, there's no doubt that one of the one of the perks of our of our job emotionally for us is that you are quite uplifted after yep. a strong auction and a great result. Um, I think a lot of the auctioneer's ego jumps in there and and is is really sort of beating the chest about saying how great am I? I did this and <laughs> I did that. Um, and to a certain degree, that the auctioneer does have big influence over what a property sells for. I, I think that you need to be a little bit mindful of. The other side of the spectrum there about how other people are feeling about yeah. missing out, um, and it is a bit of a fine line. You know, we we often talk and and we put our hand up and say that we promote it also, but we often talk about you know when a property sells for a million dollars over its reserve or five hundred thousand over its reserve or eighty thousand over its reserve. Also, understanding that there was somebody else on the other side yeah. of that who paid that money. It's interesting, you know. Like we, we as a, yeah, we beat our chest and say, well, we sold a two hundred over reserve, and maybe the buyers in the background beating their chest, saying, well, I would have paid another two hundred, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. kind of goes both ways sometimes. You know, because I do believe that you know, if you've you've, you've come off a, a great result and you, that's the third great result, you naturally, you know, behaviorally think that the next one's going to be a great result. You're already invested in it. That would then come across to buyers and. You know, they would get wrapped up in you, I guess. And you've got to be careful. Um, you've got to be careful because every auction is different. Yeah. Now, if you come off that strong auction and you're feeling confident and you're feeling a bit bullish and you, you're trying to quite enforce, say, $25,000 increment bids, yep. but a buyer doesn't want to give you that, now you might say no to that buyer. Well, one mistake that some auctioneers make is that they might say, look, we're only taking 10, for example. And the buyer says, well, I'll give you five. Now, I've had this situation before where you say, no, I'm taking 10. The buyer will say, I'm only going to give you five. And I, only, I learned once and I'll never do it again. Mm. Yeah. And it was many years ago. And I said, well, I'm not going to take the five. It's got to be 10. Now, I went around and we, 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 we were selling. Mm. We were over the reserve. We were selling. But I was trying to be confident and bullish. And I went back to that buyer and I said, okay, well, I'll take your five. And he said, no, not bidding it. I'm yeah. not going to bid the five. So we ended up selling it. Now. That was a long time ago, and I only ever made the mistake once. Now, if I'm a little bit bullish and I say we're going in tens, I now don't go back and ask for permission to take that buyer's five. Mm -hmm. I just take it. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay, I'll have your five. Yeah, thanks. Five. I'm taking five here. Now, let them decide whether they want to not do it or not. But you do have to be careful. Not dragging it out, showing and demonstrating loud and clear that everybody's exhausted. I've seen auctionees do that. And I'm like, going, oh, thank you for doing that because no, we're not giving you that anymore. You know, (laughs) exactly. Mm. Yep. Well, I mean, people make better decisions sometimes when you give them more time, right? Absolutely. And Mm. so you, there's a catch twenty two. You know, I'm the buyer. I've got the top bid. I want this. Just put that hammer down. Yep. And you're thinking, well, I just wait thirty seconds. I mean, is that you know? How do you do that? Oh, how do you play no that question. You, you, I lo- really look at the underbidder and I say, okay, what what have they just been through? Firstly, I'll say, how fast has this auction gone? As if it's been really, the bids yep. have been really coming in thick and fast. And sometimes everyone just gets a bit worked up and they're like, I'm oh I'm at my limit. Well, what am I going to do? Like, I just need a minute to think about this. Yep. So sometimes giving a buyer a little bit of time and being a little bit empathetic towards that underbidder actually will do me a lot of favours with mm-hmm. that buyer. Yep. So I'll, I'll try and jump on the be, become basically that buyer's best friend in, in the next couple of minutes, mm-hmm. and I'll give them a little bit of time. And the I'll worst say, enemy to the other guy. worst enemy to the other person. Oh, they're waiting for you <laughs> to <laughs> drop that hammer. Right, and they're in. Sometimes they're even saying, "Hurry up and sell it." Yeah, and and I'll be saying to the buyer, say, look, sir, I understand that it's gone quite quickly. Or, well, ma'am, you know, just take your time, have a think about it. Maybe you might consider a thousand. Maybe you might consider five. And I and then I'll just start talking to them. 
It's almost like brainwashing, really. Mm -hmm. You're talking to them saying, you know, think about the reasons why you're back here today to buy it. You're back because you love the area, you love the position, you can see your family living in this beautiful home. It's north-facing, 750 square metres of land. Yep. You find me another home on the market in this position that ticks all these boxes for you. Mm-hmm. You know, don't lose it for $5,000. That's a loss so, aversion you're yeah, into, so, fear of loss aversion. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I'll calm down. I'll get a lot quieter. I'll talk to that buyer one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Now, if I can see that that buyer is really then starting to take a bit too long or taking, I'll start increasing the volume in my voice mm-hmm. and then I'll call it three times. Mm-hmm. first, second, third. Now, when you go first, second, third, the instant reaction of everyone in the crowd is they're going to sell it, yeah? Mm-hmm. Now, the other tool I mentioned before that there's two tools that I have to create urgency. One is the first, second, third, and the second is my gavel. And I'm amazed at how many auctioneers actually don't use a hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my favorite tools. So we might have a reserve at a million dollars and, and we, the bidding might be at 950 and I will make a clear play for my gavel. So I might say, okay, folks, the bid's here at 950000 I'll walk over to Sarah, who's, who's yep. working with me. I'll grab my gavel. I'll go, and I'll look at the agent, and I'll say, Peter, our instructions are clear, aren't they? And he'll say, yes, our instructions are clear. Everyone thinks he's going to sell it. <laughs> but really, my instructions are clear to that it. we're not selling because <laughs> we're 50 grand below the reserve, and I've grabbed the gavel. Now, I've used that as a strategy. Yeah. To try and get people to, th- well, anyone who's now sitting back and thinking, I'm not bidding until quick, we're quick. selling, quick, 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 mm. and I get that bid. Mm. Yeah. You talked about your, your things. I love learning from people's mistakes and my own mistakes even more. Um, you talked about how you made that mistake with the, the $5,000 bid. Yeah. You know, is there any other, if you flash back, you know, across your career and early days, even recently, even better, that where there's been another mistake and you thought, what was I doing? Oh, no question. I, look, we've all made lots of mistakes and, and, I, and I still make mistakes. Sometimes, you know, as an auctioneer, it is very much about how you feel mm-hmm. and, that, and that's why I'm really big on looking good, feeling good. You know, I exercise every day. I train really hard. This morning before I came here, I was at a running track session at 5.30 in the morning training for Gold Coast Marathon. So I'm really big on I get my hair cut every two days. I wash my car two or three times a week. Um, so for me, it's all about looking good and feeling good. Mm-hmm. If I feel good about myself, I auction so much better. Mm-hmm. If I don't feel good about myself, I, I make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And there's, because we, we have split second decision making mm-hmm. in our head that you might say one thing to someone and it's like the moment you say it, you're like, why did I just say that? And I've heard auctioneers say things, uh, particularly to husbands and wives, um, man, uh, male and female, and they'll say stupid things like, Mm. you may as well go another 10 because it's going to be a long trip home with a a blabbering wife or something so stupid. You'll be amazed at some of the things that people say. Now, at the time, I've never said that, by the way, but at the time, it might seem like the right thing to do and you might get the odd chuckle, but you're going to get a lot more people looking at you going, did you actually just say that? Mm. So you can actually offend people by some of the things that you say. Now, I have no doubt that there are certain times I've offended people in during my auction, and that's either by being too hard on them. Um, if a buyer is hard on me, if I can see that a buyer is there out to pick a fight and they're out to get me, yep. um, then sometimes it's really important for me to actually be quite stern and hard with them. Now, sometimes I've over, overstepped the mark. I'm, I'm trying to think of one specific example, and I can't think of one example, but I know absolutely there are times where I've overstepped the mark. And I've actually ended up going up to a buyer after an auction and and saying, um, look, I appreciate you there to buy it as cheap as you can. So, you know, no hard feelings. I know this might be a tough one. I mean, I believe that sometimes agents not only want to get the best price for the vendor, but there's two sides to a transaction and they've got a buyer and they actually want to help the buyer yeah. as well. Yep. Because, you know, end of the day, this is a, a huge decision and it changes someone's life. And by connecting those two dots together, yeah. do you find that in an auctioneer, when you've got a buyer there, you feel like they're the right ones for it and you kind of really want to help them, do you pick the buyer that you kind of want to sell it to sometimes? Oh, there's no doubt. Sometimes you can favour people a little bit. Um, I've had situations in auctions where I've felt so bad for the buyers missing out 
particularly like a young first home buyer or something like that, I felt really bad for them to the point where I've actually almost even said, I feel like walking over and saying, here, here's five grand, you know, can you just put another bit in? Because I reckon, you, I reckon you're going to get this. Um, and uh, and I've, ha- I've never had a situation where I've knocked the property down to someone quickly thinking I've got to sell it to this person. And it, I actually have a lot of people come up to me because I have a lot of people who know me or a lot of agents who are bidding on auctions, you know, give us the inside running or what's happening with this or even developers who see me around all the time. Um, they always look at you as if to say, come on, Damo, knock it down. But yeah. I actually almost feel like it goes against them sometimes where if someone knows me specifically, I almost need to try so much harder of interest, yeah. so that there is no conflict um, because it makes me feel bad. Every week we hear incredible stories of the dumb things property buyers do, dumb things that end up costing them a lot of money and or creating a whole lot of stress. So mistakes that can often be avoided. So please help our listeners. Give us an example of a Dumbo, a property Dumbo, someone that we can learn from. You know, it's it's funny as an auctioneer, I've, I've got quite a large moral compass and the, I'd say this week's Dumbo of the week would have to be when, when a buyer actually bids against themselves. Now, I'm not talking about when an agent goes up to them and they increase their bid or I'm not talking about some buyers actually have a strategy to bid against themselves. And I've seen that work really quite well. They might say 950. Then they'll say, actually, you know what? Don't make it 950. Just make it a million dollars. But the <laughs> yeah, Dumbo right. of the week really has to go to the buyer. And I, and I have this quite often. You'll be amazed how many people do it that will actually place a bid at an auction, will be selling, and then they will bid again because I've, seen it. <laughs> I've called the property three times, I've threatened to sell it, and they bid again. And, it, and it's actually puts the auctioneer in quite an interesting position and an uncomfortable position because you're actually there to sell it for as much as you can, right? Now, there's no law that says someone can't bid against themselves, but morally you, you feel like saying, well, it's your bid. What are you doing? Now, this is a situation you're talking about where they're the highest bidder. Yep. You're about to sell it to yep, them. To them. And they're so freaked out and yep. so stressed by they the whole again. thing and not paying attention that they actually increase their own bid even though they're about to buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it's happened to me quite a few times. Yeah. I've, I've, got a, I've got a rule in my head that if somebody does that and it's really low and we're nowhere near reserve, I'll let them know that they've made a mistake. Well, you weren't about to sell it to them anyway. No, I was never going to sell yeah. it anyway. And I know that someone else was going to bid. Now, if someone does that and we're above the reserve, well, that's their bad luck. You know, yeah. they've placed the bid, we're selling. You know, there's nothing that I can do that I've accepted the bid because I'm not about to turn around and say, look, I'm not going to accept your bid. You hold the bid. And then the owner would turn around and potentially sue me and say, well, you had an offer and you didn't accept it. You're, you, can't, you can't do anything besides take that bid. Well, really, I'll tell you what, I, you? I've. Was at an auction once where the highest bidder, you know, and it was well over reserve and, and I'd been there with the client, we were out and it was a crazy price as well. And it was like, I don't know, 1.895 for argument's sake. And, and they're about to buy it for that price and they go 1.9. And it was like they'd zoned out. They were totally unconscious. They absolutely blanked out. They were, they, they reacted to what you're talking about, that creation of urgency. They reacted to that rather than being conscious and in the moment and actually paying attention to yep. what they're doing. Look, auctions- and, Sorry, but the auctioneer said, sir or madam or whoever it was, you've already, you're already buying this property. You don't need to increase your bid. And they didn't take it. Yeah. Right. Well, look, you know, there's an element that says to you that's the right thing to do. Um, but then there's, an, there's, there's another side of it which says, well, you're being paid by the owner to sell it for as much as you can. And they're not paying you to sell it to somebody who, if someone's prepared to make an offer of any price, then you should be selling it to them. I mean, it's not sold until that hammer comes down and it's and it is sold. And, it, and the, the flip side is somebody that that is trying to play silly buggers and doesn't bid, and then you sell it, and, and they go, oh, and then they, they, then they go to bid. It's too late. No question. We've we've had that too. You know, there, there'd be another great podcast in the law and the legalities around auctions and when a property sells and how whether a buyer is actually bound or not. Well, mm-hmm. let's let's get you back for one of those. I think that'd be a great yeah, topic to explore. Yeah, we've had plenty of, plenty of interesting situations happen over the years. Damien, thank you so much for giving us your time this morning and uh, you know, some incredible insights on, you know, the truths behind buying and selling and, you know, you've been very forthcoming with information. So we really appreciate that and our buyers and all the people, our listeners will be loving it. 
Um, how can listeners find out more about you and what you do? And, you know, if they're selling a home one day, how can they engage you? Yeah, firstly, it's my absolute pleasure to be here. So I really appreciate um, being asked and to come along. And it's been great to speak with both of you about it all. Um, I, I feel that I'm a very open person. There's no secrets. We're all in this together. Um, and it's great if I can help somebody potentially go and bid at an auction and bid a little bit better, then that's a great thing for me. Um, best way to follow me up is on social media. Um, all my tags are at Damien Cooley. So um, just jump on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm active on on all of those, probably more on Instagram and Twitter. I really love Twitter for news and up-to-date of what things are selling for and news in the world um, and the other social aspects, or they can just jump on our website, cooleyauctions.com.au. We want to make you a better elephant rider. This week's elephant rider training is... When you go to bid at auction, you need to go to look at auctions and research before you actually bid. So many people, when they turn up to bid, it's the first ever auction they've even been to. So I think the one thing we've learned from Damien today is that you need to be almost as experienced as an auctioneer. Now, look, he does, what, 2,000 auctions a year. He's experienced in reading you, the buyer. So you, the buyer, need to get out there and look at auctions. Go to in-rooms and experience those. Go on-site, look at lots of different auctioneers and the way in which that they engage buyers and, and get buyers to bid. And by educating yourself in that way, you're going to be less inclined to respond to their techniques and tools that they use to influence you to bid. So, Veronica, what have we got to add to our Elephant Memory Bank this week? A lot of resources on Damien's website are fabulous for buyers. There's a whole bunch of videos there that you can watch, and um, I remember one in particular about vendor bids is, is very useful, but there's a lot of tips there you can pick up. But the also the one thing that I discovered that he puts together every month is called the Cooley Index. So in addition to having um, just the auction clearance rate, they dig further, and this is obviously just Cooley auctions, but they do a lot, so it's very representative uh, in many ways of the Sydney market. And so what you can see there are stats that compare this month, this year to same month last year. They'll compare things like how many people registered to bid at auction, the average number of bids at auction, the average number of um, properties that are sold above reserve, et cetera, et cetera. So these stats dig a little bit deeper than beyond just pure clearance rates and they're quite informative and they really do paint a picture of how this year is comparing to last year. So that is the Cooley Index. You can subscribe to that and we will put the link in our show notes for this episode. Please come back and join us next week where we interview sales agent and principal Matt Hayson. Now, Matt is a rare breed of agent. He calls it as it is. And what we're going to learn from Matt is a lot about the ways in which agents act to influence buyers, but also the crazy and silly things that buyers do that end up costing themselves a lot of money. This is an episode you must listen to. Thanks for listening to The Elephant in the Room. Me again. Don't forget, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and we'd love an iTunes review. We're getting lonely here. Be aware, everything we talk about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances.